podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor. The rich get rich. That's how it goes. Everybody knows. Greetings and salutations, and welcome to a very special bonus episode from Pod Syndicate. This, as you may have noticed, is Slatercast. Uh, my name is Noel Meller, and for this endeavour, I'm joined by Film Bastards co-host Mark Foster. Say hello, Mark. Hello. And in case you haven't figured it out, um, Slatercast is kind of a one-off special, although there could very well be more, um, in which Mark and I will look back at the career and films of an actor who we both have a deep passion for, Mr. Christian Slater. Uh, Now, Mark, it actually seems like we've talked about doing this forever. Yep. But where did we come up with it? Was it Jordan Stack? Or did it come up? I feel like it might have come up earlier than that. I think it came up on a podcast uh, like years and years yeah. ago, a good sort of five or six years ago. It came up on a podcast where I think I I was I think I was talking about probably Hard Rain because I watch Hard Rain a lot, um, and we, we basically were talking about the, the the joys of Christian Slater, and we said it'd be good to just do like a thing called Slater Cats where we just a bunch of Christian Slater movies because there's there's so many little pockets of space you can do where you can find something uh, at least really interesting to talk about if not even you know if you, if you picked a five year period in this guy's career you're gonna get interesting out of it whether or not it's fantastic interesting or what's going on there then interesting yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that, actually, because it it feels like we've talked about it for a really long time, but I just remember it coming up at Jordan Stagg, so I guess that must have just been a, like, we really need to do that. (laughs) We like just bringing it back up again. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good. It's good to actually. It's good to actually uh, get the excuse to do it and um, have the additional time and space to do it and put it out on here um, on the Pod Syndicate bonus feed. So. We're actually looking at the earlier part of Slater's career mainly. So films that we're looking at are Gleaming the Cube and Heathers from 1989. Uh, We're going to look at uh, Pump Up the Volume from 1990, Cuffs from 1992, and True Romance from 1993. So it isn't a comprehensive breakdown of Slater's whole career starting at the beginning, because obviously he did a couple of movies before this, Name of the Rose and he did some tv and stuff like that um he also did other films around these films around this period um but it is a great period of his career to focus on i think we'll we will get into that and the sort of connective tissue and the themes and stuff like that as we go along Hmm. um but you you selected these films mark so 
can you just tell me just over, as an overview what you what the thinking was why these specific five i think because um they've all become in some way it's it, in some ways it's like kind of like cult classics and I, I i usually kind of bulk at the the idea of cult classics but because and you can have things thrown in a cult that are either one made to be cult or uh, to define what that word means but they are they're films that you i think instantly associate with christian slater so if you mention christian slater it's straight away most people would associate him with heathers and uh, true romance for that but i think especially for uh, the vhs generation and the um the mtv vhs generation if that makes sense which i think myself and yourself kind of both belong to in a way uh, there is films like pump up the volume um it's always been an oddity in the uk um it's always been quite hard to get hold of uh, and uh, cuffs it, it is the same but they yeah. were great vehicles for this you know these were movies led by a kid who was in his early 20s who when you look back at it, you go he was been treated like an actor who was in their 30s mm. but he was 20 and 21 years old you know we're already covering um four years which is insane but the difference between him in gleam in the cube and true romance even though it's four years apart is insane um and then gleam in the cube just because just because gleam in the cubes a really interesting fun kind of movie as a snapshot of um taking from where the 80s is into what is actually it's an 80s movie but really it's it's like an early 90s movie mm. yeah so I, I, it's it's a nice it's a nice little period and it, it really and again we'll get into this for me it's sort of this is these are the films that really i identify christian slater with the most and this is really the period uh less so true romance but uh, but this is really the period where you know this was the actor that you know, everybody had an actor or a pop star or something when they were a kid and they, they were just like, I just want to be that guy because yeah. this guy is just so fucking cool. And I think um, in particular, um, the Christian Slater of Heathers, the Christian Slater of Pump Up the Volume, absolutely, definitely, and Cuffs, that was just this this period of time where he just seemed like the coolest guy alive to me and not because you know not cool in a sort of uh james dean kind of way but cool in a sort of like he was funny and he was sharp and he was witty and he again in in some of the films he's he's very aware of himself and stuff like that and he's just he comes across as as, as very naturally charismatic and naturally funny yeah, he, um, he, he seems yeah. like the kid at school who he, he wouldn't be part of the cool, mm. I'm doing bunniest cool group. He'd kind of somehow be friends with everybody that yeah. was there. Um, but would just, that just, it just seems like a guy who, it, and we'll get into it when we talk about the films, who seems to have an understanding that was way beyond his years. Yeah. I think you're right. And I think, it, it may be, and without this getting into psychotherapy for me, it may be that that is one of the things that I identified with him on, because I think 
in school i wasn't one of the cool kids but i was friends with all the cool kids and i was and the same I, yeah and I, I i i used humor and um i i i used humor and telling jokes to to deflect from getting beat up so like you know that, quite honestly and 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 it, it endeared me to a lot of the cool kids i think and i think they they liked having me around but not enough to make me one of the cool kids so i think there's there's probably something there that where i see christian slater and i go yeah he seems like the kid who likes the cool music and exists on the outskirts but he can make people laugh and and he's kind of cool in his own way I'm not suggesting that i was cool in any way but i think that's probably <laughs> what i aspired to so. exactly yeah that's it. It's, 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 it he was an aspirational cool you kind of you wanted to be that level of right that's what i want i want to yeah. i, I want to know about all the fucking bands that people don't know about i want to I, I want to be able to converse at a level that people are listening to even if i'm not entirely sure of what the fuck i'm saying <laughs> it's it's that that thing of just looking at the looking at because they're all most of them you know we're going through from like um high school into sort of early adulthood within the films uh and you look at it going right well that's the kind of levels of where you would like to be in that point yeah and i think that probably uh brings us nicely into the first film then which we can make a start on then um i'm just gonna bring it up here so i've got info to hand gleaming the cube so uh gleaming the cube from 1989 and i say it's a nice intro because that sort of again summing summing up christian slater and what we were just talking about i wanted to be a skateboarder when i was a kid but i just couldn't fucking do it so, <laughs> so again like i wanted the vision t-shirt i wanted the skateboard i wanted the deck shoes i wanted the fingerless gloves you know some of those things i had other things i didn't but put me on a skateboard I, it was just not gonna it was never gonna happen so i think uh gleaming the cube um and having christian slater in this is is very directly a representation of what i wanted to be but just couldn't be um so just quick overview of the synopsis then for anyone not familiar with gleaming the cube um so here christian plays uh brian kelly um he is a skateboarder he's an excellent skateboarder he's got skateboarding friends um i sounded like i was going to go into trump a little bit though. He's, he's an excellent skateboarder really the best skateboarder uh people talk people always tell him he's the he's the, he's the best skateboarder really really the very best um and so yeah skateboarding friends and his um adopted brother um gets into some shit and ends up getting killed and christian slater then uses his skateboard to investigate <laughs> that's roughly it isn't it it really is yeah <laughs> um so uh, mark talk us through a little bit of uh, gleaming the cube and uh, what you like about it don't like about it um it's one of those i i i did um have a skateboard um i wasn't that good at it uh but i i never i never a person that's been sort of um that bothered about my own self-well-being so <laughs> I, I would happily go right so you want me to really quickly go up that and then just go over that thing yeah all right cool and i'd just do it and it wouldn't be till after i'd done it and usually fallen that i'd go 
oh yeah, I might fall doing that. <laughs> so that sort of stuff never bothered me. Um, and I think it was uh, out of um, all of them, I think I saw. I'd, I'd already sort of seen headers and pump up the volume and cuffs. Uh, True ones hadn't quite come out by this point. Uh, but I got gleaming the cube because. Um, I was talking to the guy in the record, uh, the record sorry, in the video shop about how much I'd enjoyed Cut, I think. Um, and he got a copy into the video store of of Gleaming the Cube, basically just, I think, because he knew that I'd read it shitloads. Um, and so I rented it and was like, right, this is just... It was kind of cool because he he's playing a 16-year-old kid and he looks like a 16-year-old kid. Yeah, yeah he's, really actually, he's actually a little bit older. He's more like 18, 19. But, mm. you know... He, he looked the right age he the film seemed to get seems to get the a zeitgeist of what was going on down to the point of where tony fucking hawk is actually in the movie yeah. um and actually has a, a fairly not a big role but a bigger role than i think uh, people think he actually has um and it's yeah, funny it's... i didn't know i didn't know um that tony hawk was in this until this viewing i've seen this film maybe 10 times i think it's probably it's probably out of all the ones that we'll cover today probably the one that i've seen the least but i have still seen it a lot and for some reason i don't think i knew that that was tony hawk yeah it's it's weird i mean because i I watched this movie um quite a bit to be honest so i watched it only a few months ago Mm. um but it's one that i never mind sort of re-watching but it, it is a it's a mildly preposterous story, but that kind of doesn't matter because they're supposed to be mildly preposterous stories. Um, that's kind of the whole point of movies is that occasionally they can be preposterous. And it's always weird that you get these levels of what people will accept and won't accept um, within cinema. And um, again, a, a film bastards reference that I always put is I, I always view films like a clock face and, you know, documentaries are like a basic like 1 p.m 1 a.m um on, on the clock and superhero movies are like 9 10 11 o'clock and this is like a three four o'clock um yeah. so it's unlikely to happen but it, it, it could happen but it's just the the fun nature of um i think going back and watching it seeing that early kind of charisma that slater has there he's not quite He's not found his groove, and the character maybe isn't supposed to have that much of his groove yet. But Slater's already started to do that, especially in his uh, interactions um, with uh, Stephen Bauer. Their their little patter, you know, you'd, you'd happily have watched another two or three sort of movies of them two just investigating crimes oh, every shit, yeah. and Stephen Bauer just I, flicking yeah. it behind the ear. Which, a buddy cop movie with those two, a buddy cop TV series with those two, fucking yes, yeah, please. <laughs> yeah. Well, absolutely would because I, I think it was a. Um, I, I remember reading about it and Stephen Bauer said that he, he kind of he felt like he had to sit Slater under his wing a little bit, and they actually, you know, he said he became like a little brother um, yeah. to me while we were filming the film because they said you need to keep an eye on him because he really likes Scarface, so he quite likes you and that was yeah. kind of what they said um and chris Slater said you know it was great i had like this big, big brother but he was manny from fucking scarface how cool yeah. is that <laughs> um but yeah it's so uh, the story's a bit out there but 
so what? It's fun. The skateboarding's pretty cool in there. The fact that you've got them at the start of it renting or extorting a a plane to go yeah. and try and find pools. That is fun. Yeah, that is fun, though. Um, I think the thing is with the plot, though, is it, it doesn't... It feels very much to me, and we kind of touched upon it there, really. It, it, it has a... It, it does feel very... It feels like a film that you could that you would watch in the afternoon, and I think yeah. the reason for that is it it feels a lot like a, a TV series to me. It has a very TV vibe about it. Uh, certainly, the first act feels like it could almost be like a pilot for a series where you've got a sort of a different set of brothers who are stumbling into situations, and one of them's a bad boy skateboarder, and one of them's like the button down like nerd or if you wanted to sort of you know take it in the direction of of the the cop and the cheeky the the cheeky young skateboarder like that type of thing but it does have a very tv vibe about it i remember thinking that where um where the brother character uh i've forgotten his brother's name in it now um what's his brother's name in it uh um, Vin. Vin, that's it where vin's sort of like going through the um through the warehouse and sort of like looking around and seeing what you can see and like going through the office and stuff like that. That did feel very TV to me. Um, and obviously a lot of it is, it's a daytime action movie, which I love. Yeah. Um, daytime 1980s action movies and daytime 1980s car chases with 1980s cars is just my jam all day long, especially if you're going to throw like a Corvette into the mix there as well. That's, that's really sort of play into my, uh, my desires um yeah. and you get like you say you get the corvette in here driven by buddy joe hooker who is that I, kn- I knew he must be somebody you know when somebody it's, appears on screen and you're like that's somebody but i don't know who it's it has stuntman to be buddy joe hooker stuntman right okay. yeah he, he did he did like um loads of stuff he was like close encounters of the third kind and things like that but he, he does he's like one of the renowned stuntmen did a lot of work on a lot of stallone stuff was done by him all right yeah there was something about him when he appeared i was just like right i think i'm i'm meant to sort of recognize this person or, or. <laughs> um as far as slate is concerned in this though i think it it, it feels early um but i think a big part of that it's not his his experience or how he comes across i think it's just that he's playing so young i think he comes across initially as as cool and fun but it it doesn't it, it doesn't feel he doesn't feel like um i wouldn't say he visually feels like a star i think it's only in certain moments where you get just little bits of delivery where um that sort of wise ass comes through a little bit and it feels in in a few different lines it feels very much and i'll come back to this for for you know other films that we talk about he feels kind of like a young george cuffs in this yeah there's a line he says quite early on where i um i forget who says it to him now but it, it might be the scene where he meets vin's girl's parents but he sort of says, um, oh no, it's before that. He sort of turns around and he says, uh, you know what they say, it's a dirty job. And yeah. the way he delivers it, it just sounds like George Cuffs. It just sounds exactly like George Cuffs. Um, and you get a little bit more of that. Like I say, the bit where he meets Vin's girl's 
parents that the way he sort of interacts with older people it, it just feels like there's that emerging christian slater that we know and love from later films you can really sort of sense it there yeah it, it, it's i mean it's crazy I mean, the next film we'll get on to um it, it ahead is it, it's mad to think that this was released in the same year oh. Yeah, it's you know, so strange. And not like it's not even like he seems this, at least five years younger. He does, doesn't he? It's not even yeah. as if like this was released um, in like like on like January the first, and then fucking what is it was released December the thirty first. They were released like six weeks apart, and I think they were filmed three or four months apart as well. Uh, so there's, there's it's so odd that the difference he seems to have like he seems to have aged like you say like four or five years in between them. But like you say, there, there is already that that it's that wise arseness of him and that um, it's not quite it, it 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 was always bigger than cheeky. It was always yeah. something there was something knowing about it. He was never it never came across as disrespectful the way he was, but it always came across as just. He had the propensity to, to be a bit of a a wise ass, so a dick, but without being an arsehole. Yeah. And so there's, there's moments where he has that with um, with Stephen Bauer's character, where he um, he gets caught at the at one of the, at, at the house that he's broken into um, from one of the crime scenes, and Stephen Bauer's like, "What are you doing here?" And he's, he, he he has that interaction where he knocks the thing off the table. Stephen Bauer goes, "Pick that up." And he's like, <laughs> yeah, are you "Serious?" Yeah. <laughs> he's like, and he's like. All right, fair enough. And he, he actually picks it up as well. Yeah, <laughs> there's just, yeah you there's, get there's, there's great moments within it, um, and it's it, it absolutely it's a great um, it's it's a great day off uh, morning watch. It's, it's a good it's a good breakfast watch. This movie, yeah, definitely, because uh, like you say, I, I'm a fan as well of. A films where they set things where you where you don't normally expect it. Like literally, there's there's maybe one scene set at night in this entire movie. Uh, the rest of it is all done in in daylight. And even the, you know, the the two murders that get everything sort of started were both accidents. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, how do you kill two people in a day by accident? <laughs> but and then they, after that. It feels a little bit like the bad guy. I forget that actor's name. I recognise him from loads of things. He's one of those guys, isn't he? Um, yeah, Richard uh, it, it feels like his whole plan then is just like, well, if I just keep killing kids, then eventually <laughs> the problem will go away. Because at one point, like much later on in the film where he's got like, right, well, I've killed this kid. Now I'm going to have to go and kill this kid. I'm just going to kidnap this kid. And put a gun to her head, That's and then it. there's a kid out. There's a kid outside, and he's like, "Right, you're coming as well." I'm like, how many kids are you gonna kill? <laughs> he goes from being like essentially a bad guy because he is a drug, he's a gun runner, yeah. but he also seems like a legitimate business guy as well. So he just leans into it really quickly. Yeah. But the moment there where where Christian Slater bursts through the what is it? It's like. I don't know what you've achieved there, Christian, by bursting through no. that on your skateboard. No. You seem no. to have messed everything up. Yeah. But just before that, the, the 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 dad of the girl says, "Well, you can't just kill everybody. What are you going to do? My daughter knows as well." And it's almost as if he goes, <laughs> "You're right. Like, she does. I'm going to kill her <laughs> as well." <laughs> it's like, he Anyone else think, I should murder? Just even think, oh, God, yeah. We need to work it out. Is there any way you could convince her to not do it? It's just like murder. Just gonna murder her. 
I'm getting good at this murdering kids thing, so I might as well just murder her. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's a shame that that it's a shame that that um that scene doesn't quite pay off as well with the with the sort of plate glass window because you get a whole you get a whole suiting up bit beforehand. Yeah. Goes to his mate to get the new cool deck with like the the metal cover on it and the sort of like the black and the super fast wheels and stuff. And you're like, Oh shit, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? And he wears a helmet and it's like, all right, I wish you weren't wearing the helmet, but okay. Uh, and it sort of builds up towards this thing. And then he just sort of like launches himself through a window and the baddie then goes, Oh, well I'll just go out this way. then." <laughs> so <laughs> the only thing he really achieves is giving the guy an exit. It's a bit, it's an odd, <laughs> odd choice. Um, the, the, like so you get that weird um, car chase. Oh yeah, it's so good. The, the, is, the thing is, the thing is, it does yeah. do. It's the fact that you get. Go on. Go on. Uh, it, oh, just... the, the weird is the the pizza hut van. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, because they sort of like. They just sort like their whole thing there as well, where they've got this big plan, and their plan is to just skate towards him down a hill. Yeah, and, uh, and then, but then you've got, got, you got him there just going, go through them. It's like, wow. Yeah. Murder kids. Really, yeah, yeah, you really are leading into this, aren't you? It really is, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the thing is, is it's, uh, again, sort of going back to the fact that uh, this is, you know, a young Christian Slater, and you can still see the sort, you can see the seeds of stuff that will come later. I think there's a lot of stuff in here thematically that, in particular, I'd say plays into Pump Up the Volume. Mm. Um, a little bit Heather's as well, um, and also Cuffs. Is this whole sort of notion of like, um, you know, adults are full of shit and it doesn't matter what I do. The world's full of shit and everybody's going to die anyway. And fuck you, I'll do what I want. Like, it's a very, it's a very 80s attitude. I think kids in the night, kids of the 1980s didn't really have that much to rebel against. Like, the, it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like being in the 60s and 70s. Kids were a lot better off in the 1980s. And actually, they were getting a lot of great stuff. You know, there was stuff available to them, whether it was, you know, video games or just, you know, entertainment and stuff like that. And I think this adults are full of shit. And what do you what do I care kind of thing? It works really well in this film. But I think in this film. And in Pump Up the Volume and then in Cuffs, you get this sort of trajectory where each time Christian Slater is sort of forced to grow up during the film and forced yeah. to change himself during the film. And it almost feels like out of all these films, gleaming the cube to pump up the volume and then to cuffs. It, it, it feel that feels like a very natural trilogy to me. Yeah, it does. It, like you say, it's the, it, it feels like a natural progression of almost like you say him. Almost the same Slater. character. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. could it could it could almost be the same character of, of that. Yeah. It does you get that bouncing of years um within that that, that fits quite well. And like you say, there's the it, it's a I think you've got the eighties was um was really I think a, a, a time where 
for the first time kids have started to become an industry if that makes yeah. any sense in the sense that um everything being marketed towards that yeah things marketing had taken over you know so um music you know you, you previously you know in the 70s and the 60s 60s 50s 60s music was marketed more on old generation the 70s was coming through but you had um bands released things on vinyl and go on these big tours etc and things like that the 80s and especially towards the later 80s and finishing into the 90s with the advent of, of mtv and things like that um things were specifically being targeted at kids and they had a lot of stuff like uh, yeah. kids kids in that era or certainly in the certainly in these kinds of films as well um you know less so real people like you and i but kids in these films always struck me as having so much stuff mm. like so much expensive stuff and i know that was just to make them look cooler and it's an aspirational thing and stuff like that but i don't know for example you can imagine that that christmas um brian probably got a nintendo power glove or something like that like he just <laughs> like that kind of kid yeah. um so yeah it's it, it, and it's interesting how that plays out despite that you still get this sort of attitude of fuck the world and um and like i say obviously that's very present in pump up the volume um and it's kind of different in cuffs but uh we'll get to that obviously but obviously there's the similarity of the 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 thing that forces him to grow up in both cuffs and in gleaming the cube is the death of his of his big brother and 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 learn and having to then learn to be more responsible and learn to be more like that that big brother that's kind of gone behind so he just they just slot nicely together i think there's also great there's a great moment, uh, I think, in this where you, you get almost somebody, like... Is it a great moment where somebody says, don't give me a jerk-off handjob? <laughs> <laughs> don't give me a jerk-off handjob! There's a bit where, with, his, um, with, his, with his dad. I mean, I'll, I'll get to great lines in the next movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, there's a... Um, a bit where he's, he has a thing with his dad, and his dad sort of says about you know we you know we always thought Vin was special because we got to pick him you know and his dad had that moment where he goes you know and how did that make you feel? Mm. And he he recounts the story of that he that went to Disney World. He's like yeah he did he went and he, you know, we got kicked out because I pissed on Donald Duck. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah he did didn't he? he was like I was an asshole long before you got me. <laughs> it's kind yeah, of like yeah. it's almost him comforting his dad by saying look. You think that I'm rebelling because you've adopted this kid. I, I, yeah. You're not. I'm rebelling because th- that's just what I'm gonna do. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it, it's a really again it's a mature way to look at the fact that yeah this is me. And again, that's a similar that's a similar thing that we'll see again later. That idea that this is a kid who's got everything and knows he's got everything, but he's rebelling anyway. Like that's that's kind of what that's kind of what Mark does in pump up the volume. You know, it's, it's, it is interesting that in this period, you got a lot of that type of thing and it's purely because, well, I guess rebellion's cool. So that's what I'll do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, uh, only a couple of other things I've written down here. 
Um, so I'm just going to read them out because they're just uh, random points. Skating through the cleanest building site in the world. Get a stone <laughs> cart. Get a stone cart in your trucks, and you're going headfirst into a concrete pillar. Yeah. Uh, so that's one of my notes. Um, and yeah, also just the point that you know how they incorporate skateboarding into this. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I think for the most part, um, you know, because the hook of the film is skateboarding, but actually you could strip that away really and, and insert anything really. It wouldn't have to be skateboarding. It could be, it could just as easily be dancing. It, you know, it could be, it could be anything really. Yeah, um, you could have skateboarding, rollerblading. Um, yeah. could, well, could be anything. Yeah, it could <laughs> just, be anything. It, it literally is just, it happened to be skateboarding, happened to be cool that weekend. Yeah. yeah. Fabulous. Shall we move on from Gleaming the Cube then? Yep. And the uh, the next film that we're going to cover then is from the same year, 1989's Heathers. Uh, Mark, do you want to give us a quick synopsis on this one? Yeah, so Heathers, um, although not principally a uh, a Christian Slater movie, it, it was more a, a wood on a rider vehicle, although um, Slater was originally cast in it before Ryder, um, and Ryder was cast later on. Weirdly, I think Ryder at the time was a bigger star, coming off the back of Beetlejuice, which has been a hugely successful movie. Uh, and, but then the, the whole crux of the story is uh, Wood on Rider plays Veronica, she is part of the elite friends group uh, of the Heathers. She's not Heather. She's a Veronica. Uh, but they are essentially the bitches of the school. And uh, up pops uh, Christian Slater's JD, who kind of starts throwing spanners in the works by essentially being, I think, what you could call a psychopath who starts off this... Uh, fake suicide movement uh, within that particular school uh, after he organises to have uh, one of the headers uh, killed <laughs> essentially uh, but we'll get more into that as we go along so yeah I think headers a lot of the time headers seems to be people's first introduction to Slater as the the Christian Slater that became this charisma vehicle yeah it's funny I think um I think I came late to Heather's. So I, like I, I loved gleaming the cube at the time. And obviously like we'll talk about the other, the, you know, pump the volume and cuffs. Those were very, very big films for me. Um, Heather's for some reason, I don't think I got round to it until, until a few years, probably after cuffs. Um, I think I probably went back to it after cuffs. In fact, that, that might've been when I saw it for the first time. So it's, it's a film that, that eluded me for a few years, which is strange because if there's if there's one thing that I love just as much, it's uh, just as much as Christian Slater. It's Winona Ryder, so I can't. Yeah, would, what, what took me so long? Winona Ryder, kind of um, late '80s to mid '90s. Winona Ryder was a very big mood, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she, yeah, she. Astounding to look at today, as, as, as she always was. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, did you see this on VHS then? I did see this on VHS. Yeah. I mean, I've 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 owned Heather's on um, on VHS. Mm. Um, I've also owned Sorry. it on um, DVD uh, a couple of times. I've got it on Blu-ray somewhere, and I have it on iTunes. It's one of those that I tend to pick up 
all of the time along yeah. the route there. But it was a big, um, it was a big VHS thing. And you know, I think again, I know it's often something that we always sort of reference. Um, thought is movie watching when we were young is very different to movie watching now in the sense that literally you had what you had what was on tv which was four channels at the time uh and there wasn't a lot of movies on them uh, and you had what your video shop had and uh, and headers was one of the movies that i actually I, I i owned as well from from quite early on right so owning a video you you will watch the shit out of it when you oh, own gotcha. the video at that point so you could literally watch it you might watch it three times a week because mm. that's what you had to watch yeah. um i think the idea of that now of watching a watching a film three or four times a week would seem insane but it was kind of regular at that point uh, and not even not even watching the whole film just like i'm gonna watch half an hour because for me one of those films was nightmare on elm street three i cannot tell you how many times i've seen nightmare on elm street 3 just purely because i bought the x rental version of it from the video shop so to actually own a film you're right you just you would watch it multiple times during the week or it'd just be like i'm gonna watch half an hour of nightmare on elm street 3 that's the beautiful thing of of that is it's literally uh i i still i think somewhere have my copy of heathers uh on vhs and I, I could grab it now from, I think it's in the loft, uh, there, bring it down, put it into my VHS player that I've got, start pressing play, and it will start from where it left off. Where you left you know? it off, yeah. Yeah, that's it. And it, it's not like um, streaming started that amazing idea of a movie starting where it left off. That mm. was just what VHS was. Yeah, um, yeah. So I came to it there, and again, the, the wonderful thing of it is, it, it was the... It was the post John Hughes um, sort of wave of, of these. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I I, I love John Hughes movies. Um, so you know, I'm, it does I, sort of feel like a takedown of a John Hughes movie, doesn't it? It absolutely, it, it absolutely is. It's almost like right down to like trying to blow the fucking school up at the end yeah, and stuff. It's just it is. It, it's like somebody who's gone maybe who's gone look all these movies. Mm. And the thing is now, all we remember are the good ones. In the same way as as anything happens, um, you always remember the good ones. The good ones are the ones that survive 35 years later. There will have been an absolute cavalcade of shite that will have come out, that will have ruined it. And it just felt like, right, we need something, an antidote to this. And Heather's was, was that. It was nasty. It was gnarly. It was um, it, it was offensive. You know, the... the, the yeah. Heather's is 18. The language in it is unbelievable. You have within the first five minutes the the pretty girl from school saying "fuck me gently with a chainsaw." Yeah, it's like holy shit. <laughs> All right. Well, the other thing, the other thing as well is like on the John Hughes thing, you're gonna get you're gonna get the you know the uh, the princess and the basket case and all that type of stuff. You're gonna get these characters. But this film has no interest whatsoever in showing you their better side. Like yeah. it is, is not interested whatsoever in showing you that these people are actually good people when you get down to it. It's just that they've got problems at home or problems with their parents. These people are horrible. And it's as simple as that. And you're kind of glad when they die. Like it's just... You know, That's it. It, it. It's not hiding anything. It wonderfully makes you makes you actually side. I think with Christian Slater, he's yeah. It, it almost the, the, the film is it, it, the actual film itself is is you or Veronica, and then 
what the film's trying to do is goes right veronica is the is the angel on your shoulder and um jd is the devil on your shoulder the problem is the angel fancies the devil and thinks that he's pretty cool and actually might have a fucking point um and so you you get that across but you do start going no matter what they do with jd you do go he is kind of right you know yeah absolutely it does all work and he does come across as being just really just fucking cool the fact that he he he, he seems to be like he's worked it out yeah he's he's moved on from this he's seen it all elsewhere he's bounced around schools and he knows he, he can go in sit in a lunch hall and go right so that's them, that's them, that's them, that's them, yeah, that's them, and that's exactly. them. He has no interest in being friends with any of them. Mm. But well, he's he going to move on soon. Yeah, he's going to move on soon anyway. You get the sense. He, I think the way he's introduced here straight away is you get all that. He, he is sort of this this outcast, this charming outcast, but nobody's kind of really noticed him or picked up on him properly yet. Um, he seems cool, but he doesn't seem like he would be popular. He just seems cool in in a enigmatic kind of way, like a genuine cool, not like a high school popularity cool. Just like I'm, I'm literally too cool for for these people here. Um, so yeah, you immediately side with him, and I think you you're right about you know the heathers and the way that they talk and stuff like that. Um, they feel desperately mean and you want christian slater to come in and fuck this world up because actually if you were in this world if you were somebody um like veronica and you were in the position whereby you got the opportunity to be part of the cool group and be part of this you know this uh the upper echelons of this high school hierarchy it wouldn't be any fucking fun anyway being with the heathers seems like the least fun thing in the world all they do is play croquet and do passive aggressive sniping at one another and playing sort of weird mean tricks and gay just it doesn't seem like they're not fun people to be with like no, at all not, so of course we want that, that, that to be disrupted yeah and you've got like you said the it's almost like veronica as as looked at it from afar joined it and gone oh this is shit yeah and then he's Jimmy, already bored yeah yeah it is 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 her way out of it yeah but she just thinks that maybe the way that he's choosing to get out of it is a little bit extreme and she kind of realizes like the fact that you get towards the end she doesn't even bother trying to stop him yeah. from blowing himself up she's just like do you know what i i've i'm already done with all this shit behind me he's he's made me see the what is it and the only way for me to ensure that that, that none, of the, none of this goes back to normal is if i become the new heather and then i can rule it but i'm not doing it with him here because it, he's mental <laughs> yeah and that's that's kind of it and it's that it's you often get oh you couldn't make this movie now uh, and I never believed that. You always could make this movie now. Um, but there's a thing of nobody would make this movie now because mm. it's actually... Nobody actually grows within the movie. No. <laughs> nobody has a 
has an arc. Veronica isn't a better person at the no, end of it than no. she was at the start of it. If anything, she's worse. She's got away with murder. Yeah, she's gone from one horrible situation to another horrible situation. Now she just wants rid of both of them. Yeah, she's yeah. she's she's basically forged her way to that. Um, and it's almost it's it's set in a hyper. Uh, stylized world as well which is quite mm. odd you know the and a, a main sort of drawing of that is every adult in it is an idiot yeah you know they're all you know the they're all just idiots or they're or, concerned with very 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 base level things or even when you know when veronica's mum walks in and she's she's hung herself or yeah. she thinks she's hung herself her reaction isn't to break down in tears. It's to sort of, what does she say? I should have, um, I should have let you do this or I should have, I, I should have let you get that job at the mall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but it is, it's that it's a very surreal place. I mean, it sets that out very quickly. The, the opening scene with the croquet where Veronica's kind of like buried up to her neck. Uh, like, so it, it set very quickly. I think you go, Oh, all right. We're in that sort of place. Then we're in a yeah. slightly surreal uh, situation i think the thing that that i love the most about this is seeing is seeing them fall in love though is seeing them um get together like they do i think he the way he sort of the way she needs something and he breezes in literally through a window at the perfect time it, it just it comes together really nice you can tell she really fancies him and you can tell he really fancies her yeah. and you can tell that they both need to be with each other and it's only when that happens that things start to fall apart before that you you do want them to be together you need them to be together you can even see the way they're behaving together in the in the like the quickie mark kind of place they have a very natural chemistry about them and then in that moment where he sticks her head, sticks his head through her window and she looks at him and she's been out and she's had that argument with Heather, the way she looks up and looks at him and sort of laughs, you can you can kind of hear her knickers disappearing in that moment. She's just like, I yeah. want this guy. And, and, the and he's thing just is, like, I want you as well. It's great. It's I, I, I think if you are, whichever orientation you are, you would look at it as well and go, yeah, can see it, can absolutely yeah. see it. Absolutely. So if you're in uh, guys, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, at high school, I, I, I would have with Christine Slater. And if you're into girls, you know, you would be like, yeah, when I ride it, it's the dream woman. Um, you get there's there's so much, but you get that starting of the of that Slater delivery, where he can do a monologue, where he can do more in a 15 second monologue than some people try and do in a three or four minute monologue where he patters things out and just goes bang, 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 bang. And his lift, the way that he manages to, to just push emotion without ever exploding and going too over the top is, is fantastic. He, he was such a, a charismatic and controlled performer at this time. Uh, And this, I think is the first time you get little snippets of it in Gleaming the Cube, but this was the yeah. first time where you fucking really get Christian Slater yeah. and you get the, you know, the Jack Nicholson hair and you know, that's that's what you're getting. He's 
he's aping Jack Nicholson, yeah. uh, particularly Jack Nicholson from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And last detail, yeah. he's got that. Do you know what? I'm just fucking cool. Yeah. And, I and there was it. a lot. Of, there was. I remember there was a lot of talk about that at the time, like in the sort of late eighties, um, early nineties, that Christian Slater was the new Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Like I remember that being said quite a lot. Um, and you know, I think he does. He did play up to it a little bit, and he did take on certain affectations. But I think he, what Christian Slater does, and as you say, you see a lot of it here, is Jack Nicholson comes across a certain ways. He comes across as cool and sort of sharp, and but it's always there's a sort of menacing quality about Jack Nicholson. Yeah, you don't get that with Christian Slater. You want to be with him. You want to be around him. You want to be his friend or his his girlfriend or whatever. You know, it, it, he he's he's cool and he seems like he might be dangerous, but you still want to be around him. You don't want to get away from him like you would Jack Nichols. Um, yeah. So it sort of, it, it works a different way. You, 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 that's it. That's it. If you were out on a night out with Christian Slater, you'd be going, I wonder what's going to happen. If you're on a night out with Jack Nicholson, you'd go, shit, something bad's going to happen. And I'm going to turn around and Jack's going to be disappearing. And I'm going to be left going, why is the gun in my hand? Even even the way he he speaks to other um, and again this will come up again later in pump up the volume the way he links uh, up with different groups mm. the way he brings together different groups he's just as comfortable talking to the heathers uh, as he is talking to the outsiders and the geeks and stuff like that and if he needs something from one of those people he's going to turn around to them and speak to them. He's perfectly comfortable with it, and he can kind of make them feel good as well. I forget who it is he turns around to at some point, and he delivers that the the um, uh, the greetings and salutations thing that he says, which I think is great. Um, you know, greetings and salutations. Like he can say that to just anyone, and they're like, "Oh God, this guy's talking to me. This is great." Like, but they don't know what he wants or what he's gonna do. Like, it's. But he's it just is, got that warm. There's, there's a um, there's that Machiavellian quality to him in this movie that he's he's already decided what he's going to do and he is literally he's just playing the board a little bit. Um, and Veronica's kind of got herself caught up in the game, uh, but she happens to be smart enough to to get out of the game. Uh, as one of my favourite lines in cinema, it's not a Christian Slater bit in it, but it does have one of my favourite lines in cinema. Um, I've got one of my favourite lines down here. I'm, hoping, I'm wondering if it's going to be the same. Go on. Uh, it's her dad says it. Okay, now go on. Uh, it's the um, bit where she's um, talking to dad saying, you know about everyone's getting obsessed with this suicide thing and she says yeah. you know it just it's patronizes like bunny rabbits and her dad oh, goes yeah. i don't patronize bunny rabbits, bunny rabbits. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah it's just glorious because it's so deadpan yeah the thing is is this is you know this is a this is a dark movie and it is yes it's a dark comedy but i i i've feel like i watched in fact i checked i think i watched this literally almost exactly a year ago um but somehow i'd forgotten just how funny it is it is very 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 funny yeah uh, 
and not just you know well not not even really Christian Slater it's the the, the laughs come from the supporting cast most of the time um yeah. the favorite line that I've put down here is it's one of my favorite put downs of all time it's the head teacher when they're in the staff room uh, <laughs> I don't really mean yeah. <laughs> Go she's on. talking about getting people getting people together to you know talk about how they feel in a big room and he says Thank you, Miss Fleming. You call me when the shuttle lands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. This is another great one where the uh, where um, Ram and Kurt. That's his two good ones here. Oh, yeah. Ram and Kurt are, are at the funeral, and they well, he's got that kid pinned down trying to get him to say you know say like some big dates. He goes, all right, all right, all right. You like to suck big dates. It's like bravo, kid. But the other great one is the their funeral with the dad. Oh yeah, that, and he has the great the great line of, "I love my dead gay son." <laughs> Excellent. It's it's a movie that just absolutely nails its time um, and gets it perfect, and it is it's the perfect actor and the perfect actress to yeah. you know to just get this and to you know there was at one point I think. Um, it wasn't going to be, I think it was always going to be Christian Slater, uh, was always um, going to be uh, J.D. But at one point, they were, they were really chasing Jennifer Connelly to be, um, All right. to be Winona Rapp, to be um, Veronica. And it almost seems a little bit like she'd have been too She's breezy. not funny enough. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 like, I like Jennifer Connelly, but she's not got the zany, no. uh, wacky qualities that that Winona Ryder has she would have played it a lot straighter I think Jennifer Connelly doesn't seem like a person who could have angst no I also think Jennifer Connelly has always struck me as an actress who takes herself quite seriously Winona Ryder doesn't Winona Ryder is is someone who is happy to throw herself into a role I don't necessarily feel like Jennifer Connelly is I mean, literally, she she fought for the role for this, um, and her her agents at the time were like, "Do not take this role; it is career right. suicide." And she was like, "No, I'm taking it. If it's a choice between you being my agent or me taking this role, I'm taking the fucking role." Well, I'm glad she did. Uh, it's it's fantastic. It's yeah. absolutely brilliant. Um, again, I think it's got some of the same sort of themes. The the the, the difference here is. Christian Slater is sort of the troubled youth screaming at society, uh, but here he is sort of taking action and just sort of killing people. So, <laughs> uh, so it's a little different in that regard. Um, so a lot of similar themes, but it's just a fucking such a great movie and and such a great rewatch as well. It's it is exactly the type of film you can rewatch and rewatch and never never get bored you you're always going to find a different line that you like more next time around as well i yeah. think yeah absolutely excellent all right so we shall move on from there to uh, our next movie selection which is 1990s am i right 1990s yep uh 1990s pump up the volume so i'll give a brief synopsis on this um it's a movie I've seen a billion times, so hopefully I, I should be able to do that. Um, so pump up the volume. Christian Slater plays Mark. Um, Mark is a 
shy kid who has moved to a new town and a new school um, and has been there for long enough that he's managed to set himself up as a sort of uh, kind of a pirate radio uh, host um, every evening at, is it 10 o'clock? I think it's 10 o'clock, isn't it? Every evening 10 at 10 yeah. o'clock, he pops up sometimes for five minutes, sometimes for five hours uh, to vent and talk about um, what pains him and what troubles him and what's wrong with the world while also playing some seriously fucking cool tunes. Um, and that's his alter ego by night. Happy hard, Harry. Uh, by day, he is actually uh, painfully, painfully shy. Um, he doesn't know how to talk to his parents. He doesn't know how to talk to girls. He's basically a ghost in his own school, and people don't really notice him coming or going. And the movie is essentially about how his voice um, gives voice to a generation of people at a school which is um, pretty fucking oppressive and horrible for various reasons. A lot of similar themes. Suicide is a theme in here, as was in Heather's. Um, you know, shouting back at society and having parents that don't understand is a big thing in both Heather's and uh, Pump Up the Volume, to, uh, sorry, um, Gleaming the Cube to a degree. Um, so, yeah, Pump Up the Volume, it is one of the big ones for me on the Christian Slater list. Um one of the two very, very big ones for me. This film had a huge fucking impact on me, uh, which is probably why I'm doing this podcast now as well, actually. Something must have stuck. Um, but yeah, it's had a huge, huge impact on me. The the soundtrack, uh, the film itself, um, Christian Slater just uh, being who he is and me just wanting to be him. Um it's a fantastic film. Mark, how did you come to it? Um, I came to it um, weirdly um, when it came out to rent first uh, in the in, in the UK uh, by the VHS thing. So it's it very early on, probably, I would say, yeah. probably early 91 or mid 91. Um, and my weirdly, I've got an older sister who's about sort of just shy two years younger, two years older than me. Um, and she'd rated it and not watched it. And I'd rented probably something starring Van Damme. Um, and, but I'd watched my Van Damme thing and I thought, right, I'm going to watch this. So um, I, I was I'd sort of like was downstairs like, right, fuck it. I'll give this a go. Uh, knowing that I'd seen Heathers and liked Heathers and uh, I, I, think, I think I'd seen Gleam in the Cube um, and I'd liked that. Uh, so I thought, right, I'm going to give this a go and it's 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 a film that over the years i've watched an awful lot and i watched an awful lot when i was younger but it's one that um every time i watch it it's kind of impact grows on me every single time i think you get you get certain movies where you get different things from them uh i do think and i'm gonna say this i'm a huge fan of the the film empire records another movie that had a big impact on me uh, in my youth um I, i would like it if this movie, um, this Alan Moyle movie, was treated with the same regard as Empire Records because as good a movie as Empire Records is, Pump Up the Volume is so much better and has so much more to actually fucking say. Um, and I think the crux of the movie still stands now. You can look at that from um, from being that age 
uh, and now you can look back on it. And the idea is, everybody always says, "Oh, the um, you know the the, the the young part of your life and the youth of your life is." is the best time of your life, and you should go like that. It's like, right, at the time when it's happening, no, it's not. It's largely fucking crap. It's only because if I went to back to myself now when I was 16, 17 years old, with all this information that I have now, it would be fantastic. But you don't. You have that age where... Your, your brain functions haven't fully formed. You have all these chemicals running around that are crossing wires and everything like that. And pump up the volume seemed to... It seems to understand it. It mm. seems to have a, a way of going. Yeah. Uh, and I think particularly the character, the fact that the first time you know somebody has a problem, he doesn't mock them about it. He just he straight away it. it's the, right, why? And yeah. it, it, it's, it, it's, and it's, it's Christian Slater essentially doing what he can do magnificently, which is just let him fucking talk and let him go and he alan moyles said previously you know there was a lot arranged so a lot of the scenes where he's um riffing on the mic we had stuff set up to do and christian was like i'm not doing it just let me start talking with all this shit in the room and then go yeah and it's like right so it wasn't like stage managed. They literally just said, just do whatever. And that's why he starts wandering around and picking stuff up and doing shit like that. And it's, but it's the, it's the delivery he gets. It's the, the cadence of his emotion is fantastic. I genuinely do think Pump Up the Volume is one of the most underrated or underappreciated, not just uh, sort of coming of age movies, but genuine sort of one of the most underappreciated 90s movies. I think I would say I, I definitely, obviously I definitely agree with that. But I'd, I'd I'd go one further and I'd say it's probably one of the most underrated movie performances mm. of all time, like of, of of that era at very least. I think you go back and and watch it. I mean, obviously being caught up in this film when you are that age, you pick up on a lot of the themes and 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 uh, the things that you relate to. But going back and watching it now. I'm just stunned by how much of this film is, in fact, pretty much a one-man show. The the first two acts of the film are a Christian Slater one-man show, largely with with you know just people in cars listening and reacting, and then you know you cut to the you cut to the daytime stuff where he's 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 that sort of uh, his alter ego, if you like, um, and it's a hell of a performance. He you know he you have to sort of look at it as well and sort of go, all right, well, up until this point, he's played a supporting character. He's played a co-lead in Heathers. He's been the lead in Gleam in the Cube, but that's kind of just a sort of really, in hindsight, when you're looking at this, Gleam in the Cube is just a sort of, it's a it's a, a VHS 1980s action movie. You know, it's quite lightweight. In this film, he's this is the first time you really get Christian Slater, the star. Um, There's a lot of monologues in there and there's a lot of heavy lifting for him. And the way he shifts from, you know, the, the, the happy hard Harry character, which he uses to get people in the door, the, 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 you know, the way he shifts from that character to, you know, somebody with something to say or somebody able to listen 
or, or somebody able to guide people, guide somebody through a diff, through something difficult that they're going through. It's brilliant. And you, you kind of watching it going for Christian Slater at this age, this is a fucking dream role. Like to be given that much rope um, in, a, in a lead role at that age and to be given that much of a sort of, yes, this is a cool film. This is a film that's really going to resonate with young audiences. But actually as an actor, you're really going to get to flex your muscles here. It's, it's a fucking dream role. It's, it's a real, you know, it's a real boot, a real sort of um, coup for him. Yeah. Um, that's it. It's um, he's it's easy to forget. I think with Christian Slater that at this point he's he's twenty years old, twenty twenty one years yeah. old, um, and like you say, he's this is just him. He is the star of this movie. He is basically the only star. There's a few people, you know. This is Samantha Mathis's first movie, I think, mm. um, and the majority of the movie is it, it is him talking, um, and it's. I do agree with you. Yeah, it, it's such an underrated performance in the sense that he, he like I say, his shifts are fantastic. And even the shifts within the character of um, Happy Harry, you know, mm. he, he, he's there and he, he has the moments where he, he starts to try and kind of like connect with people mm. and try and kind of like just say, look, you're not alone in these emotions. You're allowed to feel like this. Yeah. And then literally catches himself and sort of goes, oof. Right, enough of this fucking shit. Yeah, what is it? Well, it's almost brilliantly though. It's it's done in such a way, and I guess we're not necessarily talking. We're talking about how the character does it here, really. But it's done in such a way, like um, I don't know the character's name, but you get sort of the moments where he's in that sort of he's in that mode where he's sort of talking about you know it's really difficult and, and teenage life is hard and getting through school and stuff like that. And, but you've, you've got push on and stuff like that. The character who's like the punk kid who's been kicked out of school, you can see him sort of drifting into it and really listening and really taking something on board. But just at the right moment, like he put Christian Slater's character sort of pulls it back and gets into the right now I'm going to jerk off again because that's kind of what that guy wants. Give him the give him yep. some message, you know. Give him, tell him what you want him to hear. That's going to make him feel better and make him relate. But then don't forget to throw in the the pretend wanking because that's what he's really there for. Yeah, it's, it, it's excellent. Yeah, he, he doesn't want his emotions pushed too far. Exactly. It, don't it, make him feel too much because it'll then he'll go the other way and he'll go. This guy's a pussy. I don't want to listen to this bullshit. Yeah, and is that? And I think the you know the, the fact that. The school thing that's going on there um, was a real big problem in in the states, um, and um, you know, Moyle, you know, his his sister essentially. The whole movie came out um, from he wrote it because his sister worked at a school where she said essentially um, what our head does is gets rid of all of the um, the kids who she doesn't think are gonna pass. Mm. Um, but it's just it's such a it never it never tries to go too over the top with things it never tries to it seems to have an understanding of um a lot of times you'll get when you know if if for instance me or you now try to write down how kids speak and how kids interact it would be fucking way off how they actually speak and how they interact because 
we're not kids and it, they they interact differently to when we were their age um and so you've got that element of of, of what goes on with uh, with that and this film seems to actually whether or not it's because it's, it's a young it's, it's a young cast but this film seems to know how kids speak it seems to follow mm. that really well and possibly because it very much was slater's it was his baby it was his vehicle it was mm. he was he was the star it all rested on him so he got to form the character mm. yeah and it's a, it's got it is a film that's got a lot to say and i think it says it in a way that's not too like you say over the top it's again it's that sort of you know, this is a film that was obviously released in 1990, but made at the end of the 80s. It is a, it, it does have that kind of end of a decade vibe to it. The whole sort of, you know, the youth that have grown tired of the decade that they're in. You know, the 80s was about this, and now where are we? Are we any better? No, we're not any better off. It, it does, it still do a little bit of the sort of youth with nothing to rebel against thing that we'd kind of touched on before. Um, the opening monologue about, you know, does it feel like America is just one step away from giving up and because it's so broken and polluted and uh, the government's polluted and stuff like that. I mean, Jesus Christ, that could have been written yesterday. It's, it could have been, yeah. It's, it is. Brilliant. Um, and like you say, it, it's another one where the score kicks in big on this. Oh, yeah. You know, it, that, th- 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 this is the movie that got me into um, Leonard Cohen. It's the yeah. movie that got me into uh, Henry Rollins, which got yeah. me into um, Black Flag. It's the movie that got me into The Pixies yeah, um, exactly, yeah. and, and all that. And it was it, it kind of like, especially being that they weren't bands. Um, again, like saying same with movies, music wasn't as available no. then as it is now. No. These were bands that had an imprint on the majority of the UK. You know, it was hard to get hold of this shit. You know, and certainly um, not to people our age as well. Like, exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, you 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 at the time you couldn't go into um, HMV at the time and pick up anything by Henry Rollins, for yeah. instance. You had to get it from the the scary looking fucking independent music yeah. shop. That yeah. you had to look at Power and go, guns. shit. I was called yeah. depth charge. Uh, depth charge, and, depth to, charge and power cuts. You can see that they were going yeah. for there. And, and you know you had to you had to go in there and you 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 went in there going you almost felt like the first thing you walked in there going I'm a fraud. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm no, not it. cool enough for that's, this. That's the, I think in Manchester, growing up in Manchester as a teenager in 1990, I would have been 13 years old. So I was, well, 13, is that can't be right, is that right? 13 years old, 1990? Uh, yeah, well, 13, 14 years old. Um, so I would have been too young, really, to be confident enough to, in my own, I was discovering things, but not confident enough in my own um, taste. I hadn't formed my taste yet. So I knew what I liked. I just didn't know whether or not I was supposed to like it or not. So this out this soundtrack comes along like there are you know there are other soundtracks like it uh, that did did a, a very similar thing, um, but this came along and gave me a, a sort of a package almost of like no I think you like this type of music and I was like oh shit yeah I think I do like this type of music yeah. so yeah it, 
it, it really, really, really helped with that. And like you say, um, um, it wasn't the type of, you know, the Pixie, Pixies in particular are one that stand out for me and Henry Rollins and Black Flag. They just weren't, that, that just wasn't music that I was going to pick up on in school. I always forged my own path with music. I liked the music. I liked the music that I liked and it was kind of rare for other kids my age to like it. So I listened to a lot of rock music and, um, and, and, and alternative and stuff like that from quite a young age. Whereas if you're growing up in Manchester in 1990 and you're <laughs> at school, you're supposed to like James or um, fucking, I don't know, 808 State, which I did, but it's not, you know, my main, my main interest of music wasn't necessarily Indian and, and dance music. I didn't like dance music at all. So having a soundtrack like this, where it was all the kind of stuff that I really wanted, it's just perfect. Yeah, um, I, 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 absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it is, and it's it's a move that I would love to kind of to, to find an audience again. Yeah. You know, it, it's thirty years old. I don't understand why it hasn't found its audience yet. Yeah, and it's in many ways as well. It sort of feels like. Um, there's a lot of things that still chime really well with it. I mean, it's basically the invention of podcast in this film, isn't it, really? <laughs> yeah. The whole sort of steal the air thing at the end where it's just like, look, don't fucking listen to anyone. If you want to tell talk to the world about the shit that you like, don't worry about if anybody's going to listen to you or not. Just fucking talk. That's basically what podcasting is. Yeah, you know, it it's, is. It's, I, I, and absolutely. At the end, you get the examples of people like, Hi, this is the such and such show. Hi, this is the such and such show. So it's, you know, that's kind of what what we've been doing. Right? <laughs> yeah, it basically is like this 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 movie invented podcasting before podcasting. Yeah, totally. Um, as far as the character of Christian Slater in this, though, I think it's again it's an evolution of the same thing. I think it's interesting that this is a character who sort of hates uh, authority, but with good reason. Um, I think it's also interesting that there's a, a quite throwaway line in it, which I don't think I'd picked up on necessarily, or maybe I'd just not really thought about very much before, uh, when um, when Mark leaves the room and um, his mum says to his dad, you used to you used to fight the system and now you are the system. Um, you know, uh, it, it's interesting that his dad's, you, you get the sense that his dad's been through the same thing. His dad uh grew up in the 1960s and rebelled but then eventually just had to sort of conform um and that sort of idea i think he mentions that he hates the 1960s as well uh mark does at some point yeah it represents that sort of lie it represents the thing that he's heading for the sort of inevitability of he's going to grow up and nothing's going to have changed and i think that's what sort of feeds his frustration throughout it yeah, absolutely. He, 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 he basically sees the futility of, of, of the fact that at some point he's going to become his dad. Yeah, it doesn't feel like I mean, it is a hopeful film in some ways in the, the way that he talks to his his people unites them in a way that nobody else can. I think it is a positive film in many respects, but it, it underlying all of that is this inevitability. It doesn't feel like things are going to change or get better. It just... I mean, it's like he says at the end, that whole point about like, you know, don't kill yourself. Use this to make yourself stronger. Use that, you know, the point of school 
the point of high school is not to be the best time of your life. The point of high school is to survive. And if you can survive yeah. it and come out the other end of it, then you'll be a better person for it. So it's a weird sort of semi-positive, but sort of, you know, sort of negative kind of thing as well. It's it's really interesting. Yeah, it is, psychologically, it is a really interesting film. And it is interesting that it still, it still makes sense now. Yeah, yeah. Just a quick point on the the um, the uh, the relationship as well. Um, Samantha Mathis was uh, was I just thought she was great um, back in the day. I thought she was gorgeous. Um, but I think what 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 you notice in later life, looking back on it, is just how her performance is kind of odd in parts i will say um but i think her character is is very useful to the plot i like the way that he's sort of painfully shy by day he's this highly emotional and deeply troubled introverted guy but he hides behind this false crazy exterior to to talk about the things that trouble him whereas she's the sort of opposite she has this exterior of confidence and fearlessness but at the same time she has to hide her emotional sensitive side like behind this seat she was she's got a secret identity but her secret identity is the softer sensitive side yeah. so she's sort of like the direct opposite of him um so when they sort of come together it just makes sense that they will make each other better almost yeah it's that it's the juxtaposition of, of, of the opposites sort of bringing each other bringing the best out in each other is the idea i suppose lovely uh anything else on pump up the volume no i think that's pretty much covered it i think i i, I do think it is it's the first movie i it, although true romance is a movie that's very dear to my heart it, it is often the first movie that comes to mind uh with christian slater for me just a couple more notes here that i'm just going to throw out there I love that his. I love that by the time his parents are back in the living room, he's already into a show. Um, and I love that he's one step ahead of the cops with the transmitter. I love that moment because you don't expect it because you think yeah. he's been busted. It's brilliant. And then my final note here, here is weird school kiss is weird. And I think you know what scene that is. It's that weird yeah. open mouthy bit which I've never really understood. And even today, I still don't know what they're going for in that scene, <laughs> but it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, that was Pump Up the Volume. Um, Mark, I'm going to go and grab a beer, if that's okay. So uh, we are still going to leave this recording, but uh, folks, uh, here are some other shows you might want to listen to. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, and welcome to Film Bastards, a podcast where three friends, two of them married and two of them podcasting life partners, chat everything from new releases, trailers, news, and an eclectic mix of other film goodies. Oh, and many, many, many tangents. You can find them by searching your podcast provider, or check them out on Twitter and Instagram by searching Film Bastards. You never know, you might like it. And if you don't, well, we don't really give a f- have you ever wondered what so-called family films will scar your kids forever? Put, putting four and five-year-olds in front of this movie, it's like, if they didn't know what death was before this, they're going to know it after it. They're going to know it after it, and they're going to be freaking terrified. And they're going to be questioning you. Yeah. 
Or do you have the slight suspicion that your loved one has a cold, dead heart? Yeah, the Dark Knight has got like all the orphans and like, oh no, we're going to die. They did not build up those orphans at all. In my head, it's like, kill them. Then look no further, the His Film, Her Movie podcast is the show for you. It's the movie podcast that celebrates the contrasting cinematic tastes of its hosts. So join Jordan and Lauren every week on their unique journey through the land of the silver screen. So if you're looking for a few laughs, some fun film-related chat, then get involved. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so that was some promos for some other shows you should definitely go and check out from Pod Syndicate. Uh, while we're on the subject, um, head over to wearepodsyndicate.com for lots of other things and subscribe to this um, if you haven't already, because there's going to be a lot more stuff coming in the coming weeks. I've been working on an MCU rewatch show that will be up very, very soon. Uh, the purpose of that show is less about reviewing the films and it's more about I'm looking at the uh, the characters within the MCU and how they reflect the characters in the comic books and how they change over the course of the different phases of the MCU and uh, what those characters are all about and how they're put together and, and, and that type of thing. Um, there's also going to be more Play It Forward coming soon and myself and Mark will be back very soon as well with our next uh, Tales from the Tape Deck. Um, so go and subscribe to this feed if you haven't already uh, because there's going to be loads more coming. Um, so Mark, moving on to our next uh, Christian Slater movie then. So this is Cuffs. Um, a movie that was written apparently specifically for Christian Slater, um, which I didn't realise. Um, Cuffs is Mark. Do you want to have a go at this uh, this synopsis? Uh, well, so Cuffs is um, Christian Slater plays George Cuffs. Yeah, at the start of the movie, he basically outlines that he's not actually that great a guy, whilst also being really charismatic, dancing around in uh, his underwear with uh, Mila Jokovic in her underwear, uh, announcing that. You know that he doesn't have a job. He has nothing going for him, etc. And he's not really, you know, that he's quite irresponsible, basically. Um, but his dad, his dad, sorry, his um, brother um, has a uh, patrol special um, police force in San Francisco, which is a real thing. <laughs> you know, and I think is it? Because I've yeah. always wondered about that. Yeah. I always thought it wasn't. No, it's a real thing. So basically, they're like uh, patrols that occupy certain territories uh in san francisco where shopkeepers etc can pay them to act as essentially additional police um he goes to his brother and try and borrow some money off them to go to brazil to chase the big score to try and be a a gold miner in brazil um and then his his brother is murdered by the weirdest (laughs) um criminal uh you ever see played by uh leon rippey um and he ends up taking george ends up taking over um his um essentially the little area uh the district that he's got uh but he's only takes it over so that he can take down the guys that killed his brother and um hilarity ensues it is also way ahead of its time in the fact that it absolutely breaks the fourth wall and has some very meta things going on yeah so yeah, again, this is I'd say with 
pump up the volume and cuffs are my two biggies. If I had to pick one uh, as being sort of bigger and more important to me than the other, I know pump up the volume is the better film, but there's just something about cuffs. There's just something about this film that really, really, really chimes with me and always has. Um, it's the first film, and I think I mentioned this on the WhatsApp before, it's the first film that I ever saw in cinemas and then went back multiple times to see. Um, on my own a couple of times, I think, as well. Um, it had a huge impact on me, even down to um, even down to the fact that I bought the CD single of I Don't Want to Live Without You by Greg Tripp, which is a terrible <laughs> fucking song. I don't know why I owned that, but... I literally bought it just because it was from Cuffs. Um, but, it's, yeah, it's a terrible song. Uh, I mean, terrible in a good way, but, but terrible yeah. nonetheless. So it's, um, yeah, so it's a, it's a big film for me. Um, like I say, this was apparently written for Christian Slater, or, or certainly written with Christian Slater in mind. Um, and I think that really makes a lot of sense. Um <clears throat> I think George Cuffs in this film does feel like, as I've sort of hinted at before, he does feel like a grown-up version of the Christian Slaters we've seen before. Um, most specifically, he could be the grown-up JD. He could be the grown-up um, kid from Gleam in the Cube. Um, you get the sense that he's always had it a little bit easy. And he's always done his own thing. And he's the typical sort of uh, little brother who is irresponsible and that type of thing. Um, but the point that we're sort of picking up with him here, he's kind of lost. That irresponsibility has sort of peaked. His girlfriend has revealed that she's pregnant. Um, and his reaction to that is to just run away. Um he's a child he's 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 a child himself he's not managed to grow up he's not like his brother who is sort of responsible and caring and smart um so this is again a film about being forced to grow up really and and, and that type of thing um so yeah uh again the similarity with gleaming the cube is is that point this is a story about someone who's forced to grow up after his brother's killed and during the process learns to be a bit more like that brother um but i think more than anything else it's just one of the most entertaining films i think you'll ever see it's just so fun and i don't want to say that it's light because that feels like a bad thing to say but it really is it just it's just such an easy breezy fun watch the, the film kind of takes um it, it it essentially takes a lot of like it looks at things like um like beverly hills cop and 40 yeah. hours and films like that and goes right let's take that but rather than focusing on that character let's kill that character and let's make that iris that character's irresponsible little brother be the star of deal it. with it himself yeah. um, and so he has that and it's like so he, he has to he has to deal with everything that gets thrown up there. But what if, let's say, everything just kind of came really easy to him? So if when, 
you know, it looked like he was going to get his ass kicked. He actually kicked the other guy's ass. Yeah. But then, you know, the the, the, the great bit where it, the guy uh, who wants to buy the uh, district off him, uh, Mel, but yeah. he, he won't sell it to him. It's like yeah. he, when he has that fight with him and he kicks him the balls and punches him, he, <laughs> he, he doesn't. He just kind of goes, "Why don't I just try that last night with Greg?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with Brad, it's like, oh fucking hell, and the. The, the the way that everything is kind of like breezing the gun range bit. Yeah. He's, he gets the gun, he just fires it and fires it and fires it. And yeah. he goes, um, You're not. Is there such thing as a natural? natural. Yeah. It's, it's like, oh, really? And it's just, yeah. like you say, everything's kind of come quite easy for him. And because of that. Even when he gets shot. <laughs> like yeah. He just he gets away with it. Yeah. It, but then you've got that with him. He's kind of like, he's almost using the audience to yeah. kind of explain how he's feeling and bits like that. And it, it's it's that wonderful, again, it's very playful. So mm. you've got the, uh, the the bleeping scene is just absolute perfection, where it's all different noises for all the different F-bomb bleeps. And then you get the last one just goes, bang. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's brilliant. It is, if you're going to say, whenever people say, oh, what are the best ever uses of the one F-bomb you're allowed in a PG-13, Cuffs has to be up there. But even down to, like you say, it's phenomenally entertaining, even down to the the subtitles when he's gagged. Yeah, yeah. And he's talking to the dog. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, there's a few sort of... um, there's a few really weird cartoonish moments in this film yeah. that I'd say there's probably like maybe four or five, maybe five of them. So there's the um, the subtitle scene where he's he's, he's with the dog. Um, there's Ted getting hit by the sleeping pills in the, in the subway <laughs> system where you literally hear birds tweeting and stuff like that. And he's like he's hit a wall. Um, and then and then there's Bill in there as well. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, he's brilliant. Um, and then there's Bill's uh, Bill after he's kicked Bill in the balls the next day, and he's like, "Just checking in, boss." And then he sort of says, "Is, is everything all right there?" And he's sort of squeezed the ice on his balls. He goes, "Yeah, he's been in there a few hours. Hasn't moved since." <laughs> his voice just shakes up. He's so weird. But like, um, you know, it's just it's a film that. I, I don't it's such a those are such weird choices but you just go great i'm glad you did that they're, they're such yeah. weird cartoonish moments but and they also work. stuff like that the bad guy has a t-shirt with his own face on it yeah yeah <laughs> good god so let's clear this up for once and for all because i feel like i've had this revelation multiple times this is the actor leon rippy who is not the actor larry drake He's so, not the actual Drake. He's the, not the no, guy from Darkman. <laughs> he is not the guy who played Durant in Darkman. He is not Dr. Giggles, and he's not Benny from L.A. Law. Uh, <laughs> that has confused me for so many years. It I really has. He knows that he's not that guy. I think he no. thinks he's that guy. I reckon every time Darkman comes on on cable, he goes, I don't remember making this. <laughs> I think Larry Drake thinks that he once played Leon Rippey in a few roles. It's, it's very confusing. Um, it uh, yeah, Cuffs is, again, it, it's another one. Like Pump Up the Volume, it, for some reason, it's never connected in, with UK audiences. Oh. Um, you couldn't I, even get it for, for many years as well. I don't think, no. did it ever come out on DVD? 
it's I, I, it's it's not come out on DVD in the UK ever, and it's yeah. not available on Blu-ray. I don't even think it's available on iTunes. In fact, I'm sure it's not available on iTunes. It wasn't last. It now. wasn't last time I. It wasn't last time I checked. But then, having said that, I feel like that was a while ago. So it occasionally crops up on streaming. Yeah, yeah. It's so weird. And, and the thing is, is because I, like I say, I saw it in the cinema probably I think five or six times. Um, and then when it disappeared in cinemas, all I was left with was my, my CD copy of, of Greg Tripp's I Don't Want to Live Without You. So that's all I had. And then as soon as it came out on, on VHS, I bought the sell-through copy of it for nine ninety nine. Yeah, And I had that for years. Like yeah, I, I wore that thing right out. I've still got that somewhere. It's one of the ones I've yeah. kept. And it's entertainment in video, is it? It is entertainment in video, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I seem to remember um but yeah it, it's so weird that it just disappeared for so many years because i remember um i can't remember exactly when it was it must have been probably about about eight or nine years ago maybe really wanting to see it but i didn't have the vhs anymore and i couldn't get it anywhere it just wasn't anywhere it yeah. didn't exist it's so it's so strange that like you know even just like seven or eight or nine years ago whatever it was that could happen just yeah. so on it is it's such an old one it also had one of the and again being from the vhs generation we remember these um it had one of the great trailers of all time um uh, that you'd often see yeah. cropping up on other videos that you'd rented or, or bought or anything there where for some reason at the end of it it was christian slater in the shower and he kind of pops out of the shower curtain with the goggles on and went anyway so the movie's called cuts now Get the hell out of my bathroom. Get out of my bathroom. <laughs> it's just like, it's, even the trailer, they got it. Yeah. They they just, they got, they, they managed to just nail everything about this movie. From Slater, from the turkey, from the Harold's Faltermeyer score, everything is just perfect. That Faltermeyer score as well. I love that the briefing for that was that they just got Harold Faltermeyer and said, hey, thanks for coming in. So, you know what you did on Beverly Hills Cop? <laughs> She's like, yeah. Can you just that? <laughs> and he just did that. He's very, <laughs> I mean, you know, that's what he does anyway. But it's very, very clear to me that they just said, can you do another Axel F? And that was what the brief was. Um, it's, it's a film that I adore for many reasons. And it's very difficult to not just get into the favorite quotes and stuff like that and so i'm not gonna avoid that i'm gonna just dive head straight into that um first off this film is the reason that i know how to sing happy birthday in chinese uh <laughs> true story i can sing juni shong gray kwai lai and have been able to, to to do that ever since seeing this movie um it's one of those movies that a lot of the supporting cast crop up in other things and no matter how no matter what those other things are for me they are always oh it's him from cuffs even bruce boxleitner when i see bruce boxleitner in things i don't think bruce boxleitner i think oh it's uh, it's it's george cuffs's brother um but it's also one of those films that i quote all the time in real life and not always not not particularly interesting quotes a lot of the time sometimes it's just quite general sort of stuff so uh i've got a few of them here um 
first off is uh the big one is um when ted is describing um sorry when when ted is telling george about uh how he he was fired for or he's put out on probation for moral turpitude uh, moral turpitude because he slept with the captain uh, with the chief's wife um and um george turns around to him and he goes so is she uh is she pretty and that's just weirdly stuck with me for many years the other <laughs> one is, is way to go tedsker so way to go tedsker that always sticks with me um when bill <laughs> there's a couple of really loud quotes in the film that i like one of them is when um is when the chief says to him who gives a shit who gives a shit <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The other one is when Bill, uh, when he when he says to Bill, uh, "No, I'm going to take I'm going to take the department myself. I'm going to be your boss." And he says, "You're going to what, kid?" I like that. Um, <laughs> I like it when Ted says, "I don't like hot coffee. I like cold coffee." I've I, I say that all the time. Um, you may have a very limited vocabulary, Ted. I like that as well. Uh, <laughs> then he just goes, "Fuck you." <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Uh, the Chinese guy who says, you are going to get us all killed. I like that. Um, and never trust a bald barber. He has no respect for your hair. <laughs> <laughs> because it makes no sense at that time. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird thing. To, it doesn't match anything that they've been discussing. Um, and just finally, I like, I love the way, like this, this ties into a lot of the performances. A lot of the things that I love about Cuff's is of course christian slater this is slater cast we're talking about christian slater but i love the supporting performances in this film i love a lot of the supporting characters i love bill i think bill is i think ted and bill are excellent in this film there's a the moment where bill approaches george in the precinct uh and says to him, in the department and says to him um you know so i'm, I'm pulling some money together i want to buy i'm hoping to buy the business from you uh, he says, I've got some money in savings. I can get some of the money from my mother. And the way he looks at him when he <laughs> says my mother, it's fucking brilliant. It's excellent. Yeah. It, um, it, 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 it's like, listen, please do this because I'm having a go that low. <laughs> and I'm really embarrassed about it. But um, And Ted's first meltdown in the car where he... Um, where they sort of where, where they spin the car across the road and the bus nearly hits them, and he really goes off on him, and then he says, "When I die on the, I'm I'm, I'm going to be gunned down not by a fucking bus." <laughs> uh, I love that meltdown. Uh, but it's that the other thing as well is that just starts off from there. We're introduced to Ted as this sort of shit heel character, and I love how they they develop as a team, and I love how they grow to sort of love each other it just feels so natural and likable yeah, and, we, yeah, and it happens we, at just the right time as well when ted's just drank the coffee it's yeah uh, yeah and then, then you get the bit where it is where you get the the meeting up where with the shootout bit yeah that, right they've only got five shots in each um yeah. and there's, there's there's eight of us and he shoots literally shoots his tit off <laughs> and he goes and you get chris Fletcher going Right. Well, now we know he knows how to subtract and he knows how to add. Yeah. <laughs> Who wants to go next? <laughs> that is a great line. 
Um, it's not the first use of bullet time, but it is an early use of bullet time. Yeah. As, as Mike rightly pointed out, Trancers did do it first. Trancers uh, did it's definitely, do it first. This is definitely pre-Matrix. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, how do you feel about, about Christian Slater himself in this? He's fantastic. He's in his groove now. Um, yeah. He's he's absolutely um, he's perfectly formed at this point. I think, isn't he? Yeah, I think this is probably the first time where he's in a movie where he he knows he is a personality now. Um, and you know he he's he's built up that what is it? And he knows right, I'm selling this fucking this this movie, and it's the he's become a star. Uh, for that and he, he was a big star at this point and you know they, they were perfectly willing to hang movies on him um at, at, at this point which was amazing and he, he exuded that confidence um just through things was fantastic um okay so we'll go from there to our final movie um which is true romance mark uh can you introduce us to true romance because i know this is a big one for you yeah um, true romance uh it, it is essentially um it's uh, a modern, or at the time, it was a, um, it, it was almost like a modern retelling of Badlands and the it's down to the soundtrack uh, and the ballsy move from Tony Scott using the soundtrack. Uh, it's Christian, uh, so it's a Quentin Tarantino written movie that uh, is directed by Tony Scott. Uh, it's a full ensemble cast. It was, it was a, a bridge movie between Reservoir Dogs and, um, and Pulp Fiction. So Tarantino, Pulp Fiction hadn't quite come out, but Tarantino was already a star, and so they were selling it off this. I first watched this on Laserdisc, um, because I had it on Laserdisc in this country before it had even come out um, in the cinemas over here. Um, so yeah, uh, that's when I watched it. It, it has that, the, the start of a very 90s theme of having a big cast. Um, Christian Slater played Clarence Worley, who... He works in a um, comic book store. Uh, he's a quirky character, a bit obsessed with uh, Elvis. And his boss hires Alabama to essentially sleep with him. <laughs> uh, but they end up falling in love uh, on that on that night because they, they form a, a, a just a true sort of love at first sight kinship. And then the romance story leads them to accidentally stealing drugs, accidentally... Uh, <laughs> getting involved in this whirlwind drug deal but the whole crux of the story isn't about all of that that's just the the that's just the fucking shit that goes on the story is about them falling in love and it's yeah. it's a wonderful thing was that a laserdisc rental could you rent laserdisc no, no oh. uh you couldn't uh, it was an import from japan right yeah i had to fucking write off and send for it jesus yeah, yeah Laserdisc never really, Laserdisc never really, um, I don't think I've ever, I've certainly never watched a Laserdisc. I don't think I've ever held a Laserdisc in my life. They've just never, they've just never been a part of my life. Think about a CD, right? But the yeah. size of a fucking pizza. Yeah. Very odd. Um, yeah, I think for me this would have been a... Uh, I think the first viewing of this probably would have been a sell through VHS. It was, it, it was, um, if I had to guess, or it fit 1993. Is that too early for DVD? I, I can't. I yeah, can't yeah, it's, yeah. 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 It would have been a sell through VHS then. I think, um, 
the thing that stands out about it for me is that actually, again, in many ways, Christian Slater's character in this is someone who <clears throat> has a confident side, but probably just doesn't know that he's got that confident side. He's sort of manifesting something else inside of him that represents that. and It doesn't really come out early on. So it comes out later on in the film. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it, essentially he's he's his confidence is he's a he's a guy born in the wrong time. Yeah, uh, um, he, he doesn't fit the time he, he he's born in. He seems like you know he's supposed to be in his early twenties, but he all his interests are that of somebody older than him. But mm. also as well, he's the outskirts of say he, he is what Tarantino saw himself as rather than actually was. Um, and and so that was it you know Christian Slater is the fucking cool side of what Tarantino was like in the mid in the early 90s Um, and then it's this as soon as he gets the girl it's like right it it brings out this other fucking sense in him it it gives him the confidence to to truly fucking be you know what he wants to be and you know he's now got a reason to do all of these things uh and that's what kind of brings it out there but at the same time he's actually not that good at it but she is yeah i think the thing that always struck me about it as well is the sort of when she sort of comes clean with him and then they fall in love it's not dealt with in the same way as a lot of films would deal with something like that it's all just very like all right well well, it doesn't really matter, does it? Should we just sort of like things seem nice anyway? Should we just press on? That's it. it, it there's no. They, they literally they fall for each other like that. Yeah. And it, it, it it's and you know, that the film's fucking called True Romance, you know, it, and that's it's what it's supposed to be. And everybody who interacts with them sees that and reacts to that. You know, you've got the brilliant scene with um with Dennis Hopper and yeah. Christopher Walken where Hopper Hopper knows at some point that he's going to tell them what's going on they're going to get it out of him yeah. what he's got to do is he's got to piss off this guy so much that they kill him that's yeah. what he's got to do and so he feeds on that and goes right what do I know that this guy what, what is this guy's weakness? He's Sicilian. I'm going to feed on the fact that I know this guy's a racist fuck. So I'm yeah. going to emphasise and I'm going to tell the most fucking racist fucking story. And I'm going to point at him and go, all oh, that thing that you fucking hate the most, that's you. Yeah. And it, it, it it's wonderful. And it's it's all... And there's a great moment where you see it where he's just told the whole story and goes, now tell me, am I lying? And Walken turns around and the camera just... And Tony Scott was genius at these moments. Mm. Pans back to him a second and he just takes a breath and looks at the hand and he just... He basically... He's steaming himself going, right, this is the moment. You're about to get killed. And it's... That is what separated Tony Scott from other action directors. Because he got those fucking moments. Mm. Yeah, so it's it's a funny one because it doesn't get it doesn't get lumped in as much with Quentin Tarantino as it used to. 
No, I, I think, people, I think don't a seem, lot of people that, for a long time that seemed to be the main point of conversation around it, but I don't seem to get that anymore with people. I, I think Tarantino kind of um, shut that down because I mean in the original Tarantino, um, Clarence dies, um, and Tarantino kind of has addressed that since and said, you know, if I was making the movie, I would kill Clarence. Yeah. He said, but I didn't make the movie. Tony made the movie. In Tony's movie, Clarence shouldn't die. He really mm. shouldn't. In my movie, a bit, he should. But in yeah. Tony's movie, he shouldn't. But the thing is, Tony's movie is, would be better than my movie. They'd be two different movies, but I would enjoy Tony's movie more. And it, it probably, that story is better. It is one of cinema's great fucking love stories. Um, you know, Slater gets to... Everybody who comes into contact with him likes him. Even the guys we he never has any contact at all with um, Chris Penn and Tom Sizemore, the, mm. the, the cops. He never actually they never have a face to face or anything like that. But even on the tapes, they're like, I like this guy. This guy's <laughs> great. And it's it's just it, he seems to just get on with everybody. The only person he doesn't have a thing with who doesn't like him um is um what's it oh what's he called elliot um and you're not supposed to like elliot elliot is the is the true bad guy in the movie he's the shit yeah yeah and that's the that's the wonderful thing of this movie is it's it's got so many people probable best performances I don't think it's Christian Slater's best performance but it's a it's definitely up there but I think you could argue Film-wise, it's Patricia Arquette's best performance. Yeah. Uh, you could argue it's, uh, film-wise, Tate Soprano's out of it. I think it's Jim Scandalvini's best film performance. Mm. It's yeah. definitely Michael Rapport's best film performance. I think there's an argument to state it's Gary Oldman and Brad Pitt's best film performance. Um, Brad Pitt does so much acting here, but basically he's just being Brad Pitt, Brad of, Pitt the, yeah. of, of that. But his character is glorious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's funny because I thought, I was a bit worried going into this that I thought Gary Oldman, uh, the Drexel character, I thought that might have dated maybe, or I don't know, just might have felt, it is a cartoonish character, I think, but it, it I think it still feels, and this has a lot to do with Gary Oldman, it doesn't feel as dated and as silly as I thought it could have. No, he, he feels like a character in a Tony Scott movie. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's what he feels <laughs> like. Tarantino as well, yeah. yeah. It is, it, it's like, it, he would be a little bit toned down in a Tarantino yeah. version of it, which makes, which is baffling because you'd think that a Tarantino version of this movie would be bigger, but it's mm. like, no, few people were as big as Scott, but managed to make things... It, one of the most beautiful scenes in the movie is is essentially where James Gandolfini's character is beating the living fuck out of British Raquette's character. That scene alone got, got the movie an 18 and very nearly got it an, an X-rated certificate uh, because of the brutality in that. But it, Gandolfini uh, hated doing it because he hated being like that hated doing it but you can almost get that across that his character doesn't like this yeah you know he doesn't he doesn't mind killing people but he doesn't like killing women not like but he this, will yeah. do it 
Yeah. He'll do it. But th- th- there's that beauty across from it. Um, and you get the one true moment with Slater where he turns out on Lee Danowitz and says, I don't have a fucking clue what I'm doing here. I just bullshitted it. And the bullshit lie, he's actually lying, but he's actually telling the truth at the same time. Yeah. It's funny that, uh, like, I was just reading the trivia on this before as well, and that um, uh, the, the the producer, who shall not be named, uh, thought that Christian Slater was too good-looking to play Clarence and told Warner Brothers that he wanted Steve Buscemi to play the part. <laughs> Shh, that'd be weird. It would um, work. Yeah. Yeah, I think... It, is it, I think in this, this feels like the one that performance-wise, I'd be interested to see what you think, performance-wise, this feels the most different out of these films for me. It does. It feels like, it feels like the next step. It feels like this is the first, this is Christian Slater as an, as an adult. As an adult now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. now. Um, and it, which is weird because it's only a year after uh, Cook. Yeah. And he's only 24 in this. But he, he doesn't feel like a 24-year-old. He feels like a guy in his mid-30s, mm. uh, which but is really it, odd. He, 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 just, he has that... He's always had that... Exuded that feeling a little bit older than he ever has been, in a similar way as um, as Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson's yeah. always felt like he was in his mid-40s, uh, possibly because he only really broke into being known in his late 30s, early 40s. But Slater's always had that a sense of feeling like he's a little bit older than the character he's playing. Yeah, and I think a lot of it comes down to that, like we were saying about, you know, if Gleaming the Cube is introducing this kid and then the films after that are sort of seeing him grow into this actor that has a, a very clear persona to the point where we get something like Cuffs where it's like, this is what a Christian Slater movie looks like. It feels like True Romance was sort of moving into, all right, now he wants to play characters. He wants to play real real characters in real movies with real problems, written by good writers and directed by good directors. That's not to take anything away from what came before, but it just feels like it's less about him. Yeah. And it's more about the story and more yeah. about the, you know. It's, it's an ensemble piece, but that... Yeah that is lit up by the chemistry that, that, that they have and the, the sheer force of personality that, 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 that Christian Slater drags you along with within it. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Yeah. It's uh, it's a pretty timeless film. It'll, uh, it'll, it'll always be held up as a classic by people quite, quite rightly so as well. So um, anything else to add on true romance? No, it literally, I, I adore this movie to the point of where I literally have a tattoo of it on my neck. So. Yes. I think yeah, I'm gonna have to start think I'm gonna have to start thinking about what cuffs tattoos I might be able to get. <laughs> what do you think I could get away with? I might just get um let's see. I might just get never pass. I'll just get never trust a bald barber. He has no respect for your hair tattooed <laughs> on my head underneath my hair. So if I ever go bald, then yeah. It's there. <laughs> or I might just get wait a go Ted Skur written across my back. <laughs> there's plenty of options there yeah so all right then uh that was our last movie true romance and that was slater cast i could definitely do another one of these and visit yeah. another period of time in in christian slater's career and sort of i think if we did it would be very different 
um and it would be more probably be more about the movies than it would be about about the the, the actor i think yeah um, I, I, just... I can go i think i think i might have our next what is it yeah <laughs> yeah i think i might have our next the next one next period excellent i'm up for it let's do it yeah um okay so that was our show then uh so we will say farewell for now as mentioned previously head over to we are pod syndicate and subscribe to all of our feeds you can hear more of mark with his um his wife and his second wife on uh film bastards uh so they talk new releases and what we've been watching stuff uh every week do you do weekly still we do we still do weekly yeah yeah um obviously over there you're going to get chin stroker versus punter as well you're going to get his film her movie you're going to get what's on tap and i'm missing one i'm missing one uh am i missing one his film, oh, beyond the movie, beyond beyond the one. you're missing your own <laughs> podcast <laughs> um, so you also get archive episodes of beyond the neon um not sure when that podcast will be coming back but if you've never listened to it before it's 80s documentary stuff um and i may revisit it sometime in the future uh but at the moment there's other things kind of going on uh and as i say lots of that is going to be on the bonus feeds um on the bonus on the bonus show feed so go over there um so that's about it from us uh try and remember we are everywhere we are inside each and every single one of you just look in and we will be there waving at you naked wearing only a cock ring good night good night Gotta leave